is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Again, fourth choice host Nick here, joined by Abdullah and Jesse, to look back on Chelsea's 2 1 win over Juventus in the Women's Champions League group stages as well as answering questions ahead of the international break or during the international break now. And we're going to do some quick player grades as well. So it's going to be a kind of a jam-packed episode with all the goodness because we are taking next week off to give the team a little bit of a break during the international break. And then we will be back full steam ahead for what is going to be a really busy uh, November, December period for the women's team. Uh, tough away win uh, for, for Chelsea at Juve playing at the Allianz Stadium. Beautiful setting. Uh, we did pick up a win, first win uh, of the group stage in the Champions League. Uh, we did make a, t- a key tactical switch uh, for the win. So we moved from a back three to a back four, and it kind of seemed to reinvigorate the team. Pernilla Harder uh, continues her just blistering red hot form so far and showing her importance uh, in the side every single week now. So lots to cover. But of course, we have to do a three-word match review, guys. So I'm going to turn it over to Jesse for their three-word match review first. I'm going uh, this week, although this could be many weeks, I guess, with Panila power play. Because, yeah, just once again, felt like she really took this game, you know, by by the horns and, and turned it around for us. You know, I was struggling with this one because really? it was just like, I, I'm not good with the, the rhymes of the puns. So I just went with turning the tide, question mark? Because, you know, that key tactical switch, you know, kind of, you know, made a huge difference. But at the same time, is 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 this, you know, is the, not the struggle to score, but the kind of the ease of play. Is that going to come back anytime soon? Is that going to reinvigorate the team now to be able to play more freely? We don't know. But, you know, turning the tide. Yeah, I went with Turin turning point. Um, it kind of feels like the, the team's been... You know, just grinding through it so far this year. It hasn't always been pretty, and so to to get a huge win on the road, you just you, know, you never know what what type of results going to get the team kind of gelling again. And so it felt like that could have been it. It felt like it was a big result. So uh, to get into the details here, of course, we played Juventus. Uh, it was Wednesday, October thirteenth. Uh, it was that uh, in the Champions League group stage, the first time that we're playing one of these group stages, uh, which is really exciting. Uh, the Allianz, uh, look, I mean, beautiful setting again. Uh, Juve have really done a great job with that stadium, and it was a great atmosphere as well, which is awesome. Uh, really appreciated that. Chelsea 2, Juventus 1, goals from Cuthbert and Harder in the 31st and 69th minute, respectively. Bonacia getting one back for Juve in the 37th minute. Jesse, take us through the lineup. Yeah, a pretty, um, I guess, expected. This is lineup for Chelsea kind of reverting back to what we've seen as our expected lineup throughout the season. So, Anne Katrenberger and goal, Eriksen, Carter, and Bright as the black three, Wrighton on the left, and Cuthbert on the right as wing backs, with G. Soyun and Leupoltz in the middle, and then that front three of Harder, Kerr, and Kirby. Bench, obviously, uh, deeper here. Uh, Musovic, Nauer, uh, Ingle. Uh, England, Fleming, Mielda making the bench, which is exciting. Uh, New Charles, Spence, Anderson, Telford, and Fox as well. Uh, Abdullah, why don't you take us through the stats of the match? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think in some places it was pretty even. In some places it was obviously uh, one-sided. But, you know, Chelsea had 12 shots to Juventus' eight. Um, you know, not a very great 
night for in front of goal for either team, considering they only had three and two shots on target, respectively. Uh, Chelsea definitely dominated possession with 63%. Mm-hmm. I think Juve were comfortable in letting Chelsea have the ball, especially in the second half. Um, Chelsea had 586 passes with an 82% pass accuracy compared to 352 and 74%. A lot more fouls. Chelsea, you know, had 10 and then Juve's one. No cards in this game, surprisingly, from either side, which, you know, some of those fouls, I was, it was you know, tethering on the edge of, probably could be a yellow card, but, you know, it wasn't. Uh, two offsides for Chelsea to Juventus is none, and then five corners to Juventus is two. So, not too bad in terms of the uh, the stats, but um, the XG uh, was 2.13 to Chelsea, actually, and 0.83 to Juventus, which, you know what, I mean, considering the chances that they had with a few of those crosses... That 0.83 seems a little bit less. I would have expected to be maybe a little bit higher, but you know, Chelsea creating 2.213 is absolutely insane. So as as we know, guys, this was a massive uh, result, um, complicated by the fact that, of course, Chelsea drew in the first match against Wolfsburg uh, a week ago. Uh, you know, it, it kind of became a must-win in a lot of ways. Jesse, can you maybe just give some overall thoughts on? What was at stake and, and the performance that led to this important result? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, must win was definitely the feeling. It really felt like this was probably now the second toughest fixture as well as the Wolfsburg away one, which will be the last game in the group. And it just felt really essential for Emma Hayes' side to feel like they could keep the pace with Wolfsburg, who basically thrashed Savet earlier in the evening. Um, I think in some ways what's a kind of good thing to take away from this game is that Chelsea did come out with the win but also that Juventus I thought looked really really good they looked really well organized really defensively tight and super threatening going forward and I think that's a great asset for Chelsea knowing that Juventus will will have to play Wolfsburg twice too um Wolfsburg also incidentally lost in the Frauen Bundesliga again today so you know there's definitely some frailties there and this group has kind of been called the group of death but you know for Chelsea to get those three points from an away match feels like a really good basis for them to play the rest of these group games out whilst also knowing that Juventus will hopefully like potentially take points off Wolfsburg too. Well, and again, just as you get into group stage play, the the math isn't that hard to understand, right? I mean, if, if you're able to gather early points ahead of what should be the two easiest matches against Servette, you should be in a, a pretty good spot to host Juve at home and then go on the road to Wolfsburg to kind of finish out the group. Uh, this was also kind of a, a meeting of familiar uh, minds. Uh, obviously, Montemiro was was Arsenal's coach for a very long time. Abdullah, this is someone that Emma Hayes has had a, uh, a ridiculous amount of success against uh, from a playing style. But, but it was a tougher match than I think um, maybe we even gave it credit for heading into it. Can you maybe talk about her matchup with Montemiro and then obviously just you know, how the game felt to you? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, if we just go over the record again, you know, Hayes' record against Montemuro, it, like, it's, it now goes to 12 played of which, you know, nine wins, two draws and one loss, which is an absolutely insane uh, record considering, uh, you know, the battles that Chelsea and Arsenal have had over the years. Um, and probably, you know what, I would have to say that this first game against Juve under Montemuro, you know, against Emma Hayes, it's Probably one of Bontemir's best performances, though they lost narrowly. Probably one of his best performances as a manager against Chelsea. So maybe it just took a switch of team for him to, you know, to, to, to show his true, true skill. But, and no, but I think overall the game was, 
was pretty tense, pretty intense. Um, definitely wasn't something, uh, you know, that Chelsea could go away with going, yeah, it's fine. You know, we, we, we happen to get through. No, like it was, it was a proper away win, you know, that you'd call an away win. And I think, um, I think Montemurio got a lot of things tactically correct. I think his I think his setup was good, and the fact that I think I, and I, I probably want to say give some credit to Montemurio and Juventus. I think the fact that they ha- they almost in some ways forced Chelsea to switch from a back three to back four, which we'll get into a little bit later. But the fact that they're probably the first team realistically in a, in a top game this season that's that's forced to switch probably goes to show that um, Montemurio was getting something right, and the fact that you know those those crosses that coming in and 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 Chelsea were looking. Um, a little bit vulnerable, I think, was 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 a bit of a nerve wracking for all of us at the time. But um, no, but overall, I think it was it was a very very good win. I think probably Chelsea's best win of the season to date, just all circumstances put around and kind of the heading into the game and the importance of it. So yeah, good game overall. Yeah, I mean, I think Jesse, we we can't go too far into this without talking about Erin Cuthbert and her uh. And just incredible solo goal that she scored uh, to open up the the scoring here. I mean, talk to us about the move, and then maybe give us a little sense of of if this is something we can expect for her uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, it's funny because in some ways I don't want to take it away from Erin, but it also felt like this was one of the real like bizarre, only bizarre lapses from Juventus. But um, it was mm. a gorgeous ball, a crossfield ball from from Panila, and then Erin basically just goes past one defender, and then the rest of the defenders part like the Red Sea to allow her to like run into the area as if they thought. I don't know that she wasn't like traditionally a winger or a forward. And so obviously as soon as she was in that position, she shot and finished really well. Yeah. Fantastic goal. Um, yeah. Great to see goals coming from, from different places in the team. You know, I think Chelsea have, have always had that that string to their bow but I felt like last season, you know, Kerr and Kirby were, were such a focus that, that sometimes it felt like we were, we were beginning to lose some of that. And I do think, Cuthbert is such an exciting, dynamic player. And I I worry at points that she gets shunted around this Chelsea team so much. She's like losing out on her development. It's easy to forget how young she is as a player. But I thought this was just a great moment to, for her to showcase how, how high her ceiling and her skill level actually is. Yeah, I, I was going to say like the, the thing that was funny about the move is that when she kind of got past the first defender, she took a bit of a pause before realizing that she could walk down Broadway and, and put it in. Like, it was just like, there's usually someone here <laughs> to, to stop me. Like, why aren't they here? And, it, you know, great finish. Problem being, though, that we conceded minutes later, right? So this was, this was not a, a kind of perfect first half. Um, Abdullah, you've talked a lot about Bonacia. Uh, could you maybe give us a little bit of a sense of, of her role and then, you know, obviously talk about the goal? Yeah, no, I think I think Bonse is is one of those players that I think um isn't talked about enough. You know, she's probably uh more, you know, Juve's best player, if not one of Juve's best player, just kind of mainly because of the way she's uh she's positioned the team. I mean she has she is in her um she is in her thirties, but she's just very much this uh, attacking midfielders, you know, slash striker. She can kind of play in either position. She loves to make these late runs into the box. So she's extremely good at analyzing and kind of identifying spaces. 
um you know and and someone who can um rather starts out on the or starts out wide so you actually can call her like while while she's a winger in terms of her positioning starts out wide can't play as a tank can't play as a striker um she really likes to come inside and really make these intelligent runs across across goal into the box and you know usually you see her kind of popping up into different places um and and kind of you know getting in there and so i mean we saw it all night against against chelsea where she would either get on the end of crosses or she'd be you know giving the crosses and you know you wouldn't really know where you know where she's actually going to be she's going to be coming from and i think that was you know one of juventus's main um main weapons and the fact that that unpredictability that that bonancea had you know uh coming off on the right coming onto her left you know and and the thing is her versatility is so um so so good the fact that you know she when when the striker was in there she was in that position well when somebody else was at right wing she wasn't there when you know she, she was always making herself available and i probably think she was you know juventus is one of the top two three players you know of probably the overall game until, until she came off and got substituted but um no fantastic player i think one that i think a lot of people will take notice now i think that i think that that wolfsburg game we're really going to see her shine you know especially because that's probably going to be even more evenly contested than than this game so let's talk about the tactical switch i mean we we have you know since the inception of this show at the very beginning of the year we've been talking about you know kind of the merits of of playing a three at the back having wing backs going forward obviously there's a huge tactical switch here to take off aaron cuthbert who was playing really well put on jesse fleming go to a back four um you know look jesse this is it could just be a tactical switch right it could just be one game one moment does it signify something different to you that emma made the switch and that it seemed to improve the team I don't know. I've been going back on and forth on this one. It's quite interesting. Obviously, we're we're recording this, you know, four or so days off after the game. And it's funny when you get a different perspective on mm. on these things as opposed to when you do it on the day. I think for me initially, I was like, oh whoa, is this like it? This is like the back three done. But I think now I've kind of come round to the view that maybe this is something that Hayes has kind of wanted to have more of from her team that kind of tactical flexibility the ability to change it in game the ability to feel like you've got the players on the pitch where if you do need to go more aggressive you do need to go more attacking it's really easy to do that that is the big advantage of playing Carter as that third centre-back you know you only have to make one change to to kind of go to this back four okay then you've got Guru Rice and playing at left back but like if you're really going for it in a game that's not necessarily the end of the world um so generally, I think this was probably more of like a one-off than than I think we're going to see this permanently, just because I also don't think, why would you spend the first, what, six, seven, eight games of the season playing this back three when you haven't found any solutions to your back four simply just to revert to a back four? I, I don't, I that doesn't make any sense to me as a manager. So I think this is more just about seeing some flexibility and, and you know, it really worked. So, so why not be able to do that? Yeah, I guess Abdullah, my, we, we talked about this early on in, in the season, but to be proficient at a three, four, three or a three, four, two, one or a three, four, one, two, whatever the, the case is, right. You have to play it all the time. Like you have to drill it. You like, it has to be what you, uh, eat and dream and sleep and all this stuff. Like it is, it's a really different tactical formation than anything else. Will do you think that 
the tactical flexibility that Jesse just mentioned will improve. While it may improve games, do you think it will maybe come at this like at the detriment of drilling that formation, or do you think it's something that this team is capable of kind of living in the in the gray area, if you will? I you know I I think I think it's the latter. I think the fact that. I think it's a good thing that that maybe Emma Hayes took this opportunity to switch that back four, and obviously we saw the results being um, positive in those last 25-30 minutes, um, mainly because I think last season one of the things that I think a lot of people complained about was the fact that Emma Hayes was so stuck in her ways in that in that four three three or four two you know four four two that by the end of the season teams just figured out Chelsea and they were able to be you know stop them much easier. And I think this time, if the fact that she is going to have a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3 one in her back pocket when needed as like a pocket strategy, then then all four. And then you're going to need games, meaningful games, to be able to maybe just give that team that little bit of a reminder of how to play that system. So come towards the end of the season or, or middle of the season when you need to make a switch against, because maybe certain opposition are going to be set up to, eventually they're going to be set up to stop this back three. And so if there is a certain opposition who's maybe weaker against the back four, at least then the team has that switch, whether it's at halftime, whether it's from the beginning or whether it's from, you know, 25 minutes to go, you have that flexibility. And I think this then makes Chelsea a lot more unpredictable going into games because then at the end of the day, you don't, you know, you're going to have to make a call saying, okay, are they going to go four at the back? Are they going to go three at the back? Um, I think no doubt three at the back is going to be the main system. And and like you said, I agree with you. You're going to have to eat, sleep, drink, do everything to be able to master and really get used to the system. But then once in, you know, every other game when it's required, like maybe the UVA game did show that, that it was needed, then I think it's not a bad thing to have that back of your, you know, the back of your sleeve and, and just say, you know what? Yeah, we can switch to a back four and, 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 you know, catch teams off guard. And then they have to then react again to try and figure that out. And if it ends up when you games, kind of just like it did, you know, uh, last week, then so be it. We got it. Well, I mean, it had, it had results. I mean, the, the, the positive thing is that, just over half of the expected goals of you know the 2.13 expected goals came from you know from when we made that switch on uh, which is is good that's kind of the final 25 minutes um, you know we kind of talked about whether this is going to be a long-term switch or what girl Wrighton's role is going to be a little bit but uh, Alexi Bassetta said the speed of play between Magda and bright makes a big difference to Chelsea's ball movement. When Carter is in the middle of that, the speed of play uh, between the defense and midfield is gone. Jesse, this is something you've touched on before. Is this still the analysis that you hold? Yeah, I, I think Alex's point was really good here. And I think this was something that was really noticeable once Carter was was moved out wider, how quickly it felt like stuff was speeding up. I do feel like Carter in the middle just doesn't have that same kind of ball carrying or passing range to really connect um, Chelsea's defence in midfield and also there's not the room then for one of your midfield players whether it's Lloyd Potts or Ingall um, to come back and like drop into that defence and, and, and progress that way and you know I do think that that change at the end was um, you know kind of showed the, the attacking how much more attacking impetus there was I don't think it's a coincidence that, that happened and you know for me, I I still feel like I even felt like the goal that we conceded is kind of a result of of Jess Carter being in in the middle of that defence because you know I think it's easy to look at Guru Wrighton who's tracking Bonasea's run, but you've got three central 
central defenders and they're all marking Lena Hurtig. And I'm pretty sure it's because Magda Eriksson is worried about Jess Carter going up 1v1 versus Lena Hurtig. And I just don't see the point of having a centre-back if the centre-back then next to her has to like double mark when she should be turning to to track the run from Bonasea. So for me, it just doesn't it just doesn't work. If Emma wants to persist with the back three, I just really need to see a different defender in there because it it's not the one. Do you feel like Carter out at, at right back ended up playing better? Do you feel like she had a better game at, like when they switched to the back four or is this just not her year so far? I mean, you know, she's not a centre-back. She is a full-back. I would still suggest mm-hmm. her full-back level I don't think she's ever reached what maybe people expected it was when she signed for Chelsea. Like, I don't know if she's quite good enough to to play at this level. But ultimately, I think this experiment has shown that she's definitely not a centre-back, I don't think. Um, So she wasn't really put under much pressure. I thought she was, like, fine at right back. And, you know, I think in a large number of WSL team she would excel at right back in most of Chelsea's WSL games she looks fine at right back I just don't think she has the ability on a defensive level to play at center back or full back really in those like top top games so is it now and then that 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 comes in and and does the job or is there another solve beyond beyond that for for center backs I guess well yeah you know I guess Mielda would be the obvious solve if she's coming back um equally if Mielda's coming back maybe you go back to the back four and you play Mielda at, at full back again and you give that another go that's at least something different to what was there at the end of the season I would still like to see now just again because you know aerially Jess Carter's not that big and her aerial drills I think it's like she wins like 50 to 60% of her aerial jewels and Anique Naum wins like 70% because she's like a lot taller. So mm. again, I just felt like Juventus were just putting that they, they crossed really well. Don't get me wrong. Like they were putting in pinpoint balls, but again, it just feels like they're not the kind of things your defense should be getting caught out by. And it doesn't really help if like one of your defenders is only like five, seven or something like that. Like when you could have a, a lot taller defender in there. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick uh, ad break and come back and talk about the the woman of the hour. And that's Pranilla Harder and, and let Abdullah do some some waxing poetic on that. Um, reminder, though, obviously, we are here every week. Sands next week, which we will take a regularly scheduled uh, break. Uh, but then we will be back, obviously, uh, at the end of the international break and uh, Chelsea's FA Cup semifinal with Man City. Uh, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show, especially those who are interested in, in women's football. And then if you are interested in joining uh, our, our Discord and our Patreon, there's a wonderful Chelsea women's community on there. And uh, they're up early for all of these 6 a.m. Central kickoffs that we have here in the Midwest. So uh, get involved there. But uh, thanks to these sponsors for supporting the show. And we'll be right back. All right. Uh, look. There's nothing more to say than that Pernilla Harder has been our player of the season so far this year. Uh, we have uh, player grades coming up. I am sure that she will be rated at the top of our of our grades. Uh, Abdullah, do you want to quickly touch on uh, the quote from her and then maybe break down her performance here? Yeah, no, definitely. I you know, think Pernilla Harder after the game said, you know, I feel good at the moment. You know, I feel like I'm in the flow. I've had a good preseason. I've worked hard and I feel like I've adapted well into the team. Now you know, I want to keep building and I want to keep developing, developing both as a player and as a team. Um, 
I mean, I think that says it all, uh, and that kind of summed up everything that we've all talked about, whether it was last year or even this year, about Panila Hada, where she just needed time to settle into the system, settle into this team, and kind of gain that chemistry um, between the players. You know, we've talked about other teams. I mean, just take Everton, for example, where they've got like eight or nine new players, and they're struggling to get chemistry in like a few games, and everyone's like... Such a good squad. Why aren't they? Why aren't they playing well? Like, I mean, if the fact that if Panila Hart has taken a season and 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 a month or two to get used to the team, and she's one player, oh, how, can you imagine how it is for a team? So, I mean, this just uh, you know sums that up. And I think with her now, she gets. I think she gets what Emma Hayes wants her to do. And 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 maybe maybe last season there was an element of am I really switching my role you know to such an extent that I have to do something different to the way I was at Wolfsburg she wasn't the you know like at Wolfsburg she was the one they built everything around maybe here she had to you know mm-hmm. it was Kerr and Kirby around her so you know maybe she had to adjust and get used to the fact that she's playing with two other superstars up front not just her and I think now that she's developed that chemistry maybe she, she, she's gotten you know she's she, maybe she's accepted that now and now we're really trying to see her kind of come up and say you know what I'm going to be the best of the three you know, I'm going to show that I'm the one, I'm the match winner. I'm going to come in every game and I'm going to be the one that, you know, takes this team out of a, out of a hole every time. And and at the moment, it just seems like in, in, you know, in, in a, in a good way, she's the go-to person. Um, my only, you know, my only concern will be that if and when a team figures out a way to mark her out of a game in, in a sense, that'll be probably the only way. But then the thing is the form that she's showing now and the quality that she has I've, you know, I'm pretty confident that she can kind of outdo any defense and any sort of tactical plan, you know, with the way her run is going. And if there's any chance of Chelsea winning, you know, major silverware this season, Panilla Hart is at the heart of that. Yeah, I mean, Jesse, this is a a big player who knows that she has an important role in the team, and to me, it seemed like she has come in this season and said, "Yeah, we we have a really good squad." I think I'm the best player on the team, (laughs) Uh, you know, which is, you know, tough to say. I mean, there are a lot of really great players on the squad, but it just does look like, you know, kind of your Jordan. And I took that personally type of meme uh, (laughs) that's happening. I want to see that made. I need to see that. (laughs) Um, I mean, are you getting that sense from her as well? That that this is a a player that is now just fully comfortable in the system and and is going to kind of make her impact on Europe? Yeah, I think so. And I think also what I feel like I've noticed is it feels like other players have started feeling that too, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that's that's something that's easy to forget. When we talk about a player getting used to a system, we're also talking about the players around them getting used to playing with them. And I do think Harder is such a uniquely talented and clever player in a way that it makes it very difficult to kind of put it into words what I think she can do on a football pitch. But she's not necessarily a player like people are used to playing with. You look at like a Sam Kerr, she's a fantastic goal scorer, an amazing player to have in your team. But ultimately, you can put Sam Kerr in any team in the world. And I feel like people are pretty much going to understand that if you can get the ball to her in a box, she's going to score you 20, 30 goals a season. But Neil Harder, I don't think it's that simple. And I think what's really interesting is seeing, um, you know, I was thinking about it with the the goal against Leicester, you know, Jesse Fleming pulling the back that ball to Harder. There were a couple of moments like that I felt in the Juventus game where it was like players were actually picking up where they thought she would have drifted into and looking for her there. And I think what makes me really excited is she's got all these goals. So she scored in three consecutive matches, which is her longest run as a as a Chelsea player. But 
I don't think she's even like on a hot streak. Like I felt like she could have had a couple, two or three more against Juventus. Like she's in great positions. She's taking great shots, but they're not even like necessarily going in, even when she's already scoring. And that's what makes me really excited because I think everyone feels like super hyped about the way she's playing right now, which is right. But I think there's like so much more to come. Scary. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think the point about the, the other players around her beginning to understand that as well uh, is is a really shrewd one. I mean, the, every team has that profile of player if, if you're any good, right? That You'll have someone who is just A-plus level talent. And it, the question is always whether that person is a active or passive leader, right? She clearly is an active leader in the team. She clearly is leading by example with her effort, but then also with the, with the end product as well now. And so, yeah, that that's kind of an interesting point that, you know, we had two players last year really lead the team in Kirby and Kerr. They're not off to the, the best starts this year. I mean, they certainly are, are okay and they're doing well in the league, but uh, in the Champions League, it seems to be like she's putting the team on her back and, and really rolling, which is uh, good to see because you need different players to stand out in different moments as well. Um, are we all in agreement that she is the standout performer of this match? Can, can we move that one on? I don't think we need a formal <laughs> poll here. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, no, no uh, arguments. Yeah, all right, good good stuff. So uh, where where that leaves us, right, the, the importance of it, is the uh, the table is tight uh, in this group, right? Uh, Juve obviously beats Servette in the first in the first round. Uh, Chelsea and Wolfsburg tied. Chelsea and Wolfsburg both won this week, which is important. Uh, Wolfsburg has a five goal differential though, thanks to their absolute thrashing of Servette five nil. Uh, Chelsea have a one goal differential, so they are in second place, uh, tied on points. Uh, but yeah, certainly have not put it together offensively uh, in any sort of way yet. And we talked about the missed chances versus Wolfsburg last week. So uh, where that leaves us uh, will be two ties with Servette coming up, the home and away tie, and then uh, home to Juve, away to Wolfsburg to kind of close out this group stage. So lots of work to do still. I mean, this is, you know, you have Juve on three points, Servette on, on zero. Servette, unfortunately, will be kind of the... Um, punching bag for this one unfortunately for the for the other teams but uh you gotta you gotta win both those matches uh where we come back from a scheduling perspective is uh is going to be pure madness um so november is going to get really hectic so you're gonna have to uh tune in to every single one of these matches you have the 2020 2021 fa cup semifinal versus you guessed it man city on uh halloween october 31st uh so that will be a a really good way to come back from the international break is straight into a semifinal. then you have villa away on the 6th of november then you get back into the champions league against servette on the 9th of november you have man city away on the 14th of november you have servette at home on the 18th of november and then you're home to birmingham city on the 21st of november and that's not even all of the November matches. I mean, this is uh, this is crazy, um, and and a lot of football in a pretty condensed amount of time. I mean, one thing that we should note, Jesse, is that with the addition of the group stage in, in the Women's Champions League this year, Chelsea are playing more matches in a more condensed period than 
than is typical of this of this time of year, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have got out of the Continental Cup group stages, which is quite nice. We get a bye to the quarterfinals, unlike Man City who have to play them, which I think really adds insult to injury of getting... First, you get knocked out of the Champions League, and then you have to just play the Continental Cup cup ties with with the normies in the group stage um the normies. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it, it is a lot of games and and it's the travel i think as well you know what really struck me um with that leicester game was it's like that was our last game at home for i think it's like basically a month um mm. we're not back at home until that Savet game on the 18th of november so it's it's a lot of time away without like as many fans there um so yeah it's going to be a really tough run i think those those first kind of four games back i'm glad we've got Savet as our middle sandwich you know i think we could have had a lot worse games in that little sandwich than there so yeah yeah if you would have had to play uh juve or Wolfsburg in that spot it would have changed the calculus a little bit i think exactly um, so yeah that is that is the only kind of good news here but Abdul, I mean, they're they're going to be away for four straight games and then home to two very winnable games, obviously. Uh, do you expect that Chelsea will persist with the three at the back to start and then maybe change things up? Or do you think that there's a chance that they uh, show some tactical flexibilities we talked about and maybe start in a four in any one of these away matches? I think they'll go with the tried and tested. I mean, if that's my it's my reading, they'll go with the tried and tested at least at the start of the game. And if you know, if all things are well, at you know halftime or even sixty minutes in, that I then I you know I can see a, a switch to a back four, maybe to 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 not even just maybe give players a rest, get other players some game time, um, and just kind of again give that tactical flexibility a chance. I mean, if 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 you're gonna pick any game to go to a back four just to experiment, you would. You know, you'd pick probably one of the Servette games, Birmingham City or Aston Villa, I mean, realistically. But again, I don't think Emma Hayes is going to be messing around. I think it's a back three first and foremost. If the game is safe or if they're chasing a game, then I can see a, a back four coming in. And that's probably where the uh, flexibility will come. But kind of like what Jesse said earlier, if you haven't found a real solution to the back four, which was a huge problem, you know, for you last year, then I don't see you playing that at the start and risking probably any 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 ghosts coming back and, and haunting you and, and you're conceding early and then suddenly you know how do you, you know what do you do from there and you have to you have to figure it out no but i think it'll be a back three at first and then possibly maybe one or two games we'll see a switch to a back four maybe halfway through okay well we're going to switch over to the the quick mailbag portion of this episode and then and then finish out with player grades through this international break obviously uh we're titling this mailbag on the defensive, uh, because most of the questions that we got were about uh, the defense and the personnel and all that kind of stuff. So I guess first question uh, to you, Abdul, I'll come right back to you. If we do go to the back four, um, and and I guess we're kind of thinking about this from like a personnel switching standpoint, maybe mid-game or whatever, uh, AJ10 uh, asks, uh, who will be dropped from midfield? Is either dropped or added? I guess would be the scenario, depending on your four three three or four four two, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. And I, I'm probably I think the question would be better 
answered in, into saying who gets dropped from the back three to switch into the into, into midfield because I think I think more than more than likely it'll be that central center back of chess cars or whoever else is playing who's probably going to get dropped um, and then you kind of then if she's going to go I mean I think she played I think Emma Hayes switched to a 4-3-3 in that second half that Juve game when Fleming came on playing next to um uh, Loipols and NG. So if that's the case, then you basically have, and then I, you know what? Then if that's the case, I can realistically see Jesse Fleming being that first choice coming in as that third midfielder, just because, um, mm. I mean, the fact that she came on during the UV game as the first substitution in that switch, I think says a lot about her standing in, in, in the midfield pecking order, especially if there's space for one more. But yeah, to kind of go, you know, long story short, I think it's Jess Carter who drops in, uh, who drops out, and then it'll probably be Jesse Fleming who comes in. Okay. Um, one from Tireless Coco, Jesse. Uh, why is the back three not working or clicking as effectively as maybe we're, we're used to seeing Chelsea play? Yeah, I think it's a personnel thing. I've kind of feel like I've touched on this before, and I don't want to bang the poor player over over the head, but I think it's just not quite clicked between the three who are playing at the back. And I think kind of anxieties they it feels like they don't trust each other as a trio. Um and I think that's that's leading to more errors being made and and kind of poor poor judgments. It also kind of feels to me, and I don't know if you guys get this as well, that like we, we have a lot of odd puzzle pieces in this team, right? Uh, Girl Wrighton basically doesn't play majority of last year um, and is now kind of starring in the team, right? But to, to get her in a spot where she's in the advanced roll-up field and is not one of the front three, you have to kind of play her in a wingback scenario, right? But that does create problems other places namely the you know who plays center back right so it i think there's there might be this uh desire to have you know certain players really play a role that suits them and you know we talked about Ari cuthbert earlier she hasn't had a single position at chelsea she's had like three um and it might it might hinder other players development do you do you see that as as a reason for the formation switch as well yeah i think this whole season has kind of been like a great lesson in squad building and maybe what you shouldn't do. Um, you know, Chelsea have done really well to build up an amazing set of attacking players. Um, and the depth there is incomparable, really, you know, across, across most, most of Europe, you know, probably easily one of the top, top five best, um, stacked attacking teams. But defensively, it kind of feels like they're in a position where, there's a number of older players who, who've had their position in the team for some time and then some younger players have kind of been brought in but either haven't developed how was expected or haven't had the time to develop how was expected and then when you get a couple of injuries suddenly you're not stacked defensively like you are in an attacking sense um and yeah I don't know why there's been that focus on attacking players per se over defensive ones. My hunch would be that I just think Emma Hayes likes attacking football more. She's never been someone who's like a really defensive minded manager. Like the most important thing is a clean sheet. Her ethos has always felt to me like we'll outscore you. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Um, so maybe, maybe that's the reason, but yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the, the wider problem. And, and similar questions were asked from Techie Tiger, Mike from Rhode Island, uh, and Ghana Zagina as well. But 
Ghana Zagina thirty did mention, you know, last year the attack started slow and people wanted to panic. This year the defense is a little shakier. Uh, Abdullah, give us a reason why people shouldn't panic. Is a great question. Um, why is why they shouldn't panic? Well, because inherently playing a back three or back five, however you want to call it, should give you more defensive stability. And the kind of the more you play the the system, the more use you more you get used to it, and the better it technically you know becomes. Now, obviously, we've hit you know we we've talked about the personnel issues, and I think once we start seeing maybe that one switch with a Mielder coming back or something, I think then we'll really start to see. And I'm not saying in the beginning because Mielder will take time to come back herself into full fitness, but whether it's now we're coming in and playing or whatever the situation is, I think we'll then start to see a little bit more of of calmness and kind of touching on what Jesse said. I absolutely agree where there's that trust issue between the center backs and so just take that bon and say a run and goal that we had as, as an example from earlier if it's now or someone else playing at the center center back or let's say it's millie bright and somebody else is playing a right center back and magda doesn't have to worry about the uh, about her taking the middle because she knows millie will take care of her and she can then cover right in position off on the on the left and then maybe cover bon and say as uh in running you know maybe there's no goal so i think it's it's just one or two tweaks, and I really think this team can kind of come back and really you know solidify that 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 back five. It's just like we said, it's it's down to one or two minor things, and if we fix those, then I think I think it should be fine. A final mailbag question is is a bit of an odd duck, but it's something that you know we we obviously take a look at um, you know player contracts, right? You know who's who's coming up on renewals. You know we know that in general. Uh, about two years or one year left on a contract is when you know players uh, begin discussing both renewal or a move away from a club. So uh, CK asks, uh, are there any player contracts heading or ending in in 2022? Uh, Jesse, I'll pass this one to you, and then maybe give us some likely scenarios that could play out with with these different players. Yeah, so I think the first thing to say is that obviously in women's football, contracting is very different to in men's football. You know, these things tend to run on a lot shorter scale. It's a lot more common for players to leave on freeze. Transfer fees are very rare, all of that kind of stuff. Um, So that being said, it's not necessarily like a big worry if there are a number of players coming to the end of their contracts but so we've got Drew Spence, Sam Kerr, Ji Soyeon, Mara Mielder and Jonna Anderson. So my expectation would be that three of those players, Spence, Ji Soyeon and Mara Mielder, I would imagine would all probably be looking to sign extensions. I'd be really surprised well, you know, they're, they're all kind of older players, but they're all players that I think Hayes really values having around. And as I say, one-year short-term contracts are so common in women's football. Chelsea aren't short on cash. Uh, you know, they, they signed Carly Telford to this extra year. They even put some, like, coaching hours in as part of her contract, obviously, to reflect her kind of change of status in the squad. So they're three players that I'd be really surprised if they moved on from the team. Jonna Anderson is someone who I could see leaving at the end of 2022. Um you know, clearly her role in at Chelsea has seriously diminished, basically, um, very quickly. I mean, players' fortunes do turn around under Emma Hayes. Guru writing this testament to that. Uh, but at the same time, I could see her potentially being keen to move on, given the lack of game time she's got. You've also kind of seen that affect her standing in the Sweden national team, I think. So I could imagine that might be a motivation for her. And then the... 
not million dollar question, but probably several hundred thousand dollar question is whether Sam Kerr will stay mm-hmm. for longer. Um, I honestly don't know. I've heard a million different things going in a million different directions. So I don't really believe any of what I've heard, to be honest. Um, for what it's worth, um, I was kind of having a dig looking at when contracts have been signed in the past. Um, Frank Herbie, I-, I guess, as, as one of the most notable contract signees that Chelsea had signed hers in January um, when hers was running out at the end of last year, her extension then. So my guess would be is that's probably when we'll get an idea if, if something's going to happen. Um yeah, I, I can really see it either way, whether she stays or goes. So I just don't know on that one. Ah, uh, uncertainty. Uh, you are a cruel mistress. So, uh, yeah, that is, it's kind of going to wrap up the, the on the defensive uh, mailbag section. Uh, really appreciate everyone who contributed questions, especially on a short turn this morning. Uh, we'll, we'll get a little better at the, uh, the advance on that one. We're going to end on rapid fire player grades, though. Uh, you know, Chelsea are very early in the season. We've now had two international breaks already. We're, we're in the midst of one right now. We had one earlier in September. Uh, we, we only have about four more to go this year. <laughs> so um, lots, of, lots of international football, um, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you feel about that. Uh, but we're going to do quick player grades to this point. Now, obviously, Chelsea are... Uh, you know, a little bit behind in the in the league and are uh, second in the in the uh, group stage. We have advanced in the uh, in last version of the FA Cup 2020 and 21 uh, version of the FA Cup. And then next year's version starts later. So that's kind of where we stand from a results perspective. Uh, but we are going to quickly go through each player. I'm going to I'm going to rapid fire these out to to Jesse and Abdullah, and we're going to get player grades uh, from one to five, five being the highest. So just so that we're all on the same page as to what that means. All right, uh, I'm going to fire over uh, the first one to Abdullah. Zachira Musevich, go. Uh, I'd say a three. Been solid and been solid when she's been called up on, up 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 on when she's been called up. All right, great. Uh, I think now only only played very limited minutes. Jesse, go. Yeah, I'll give her a three. Played two games, looked fine. Nothing to add, really. I'm coming back to you for for an interesting one, Millie Bright. I'm going to give her a four. I think she's done a good job in a in a tricky situation. And actually, I think of the three centre backs we've seen regularly, she's looked like the best leader of all of them. Oh, okay. All right. All right, Abdullah, Sophie Ingle, an odd one. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. Hasn't played too much, but at the same time has played enough. I, again, solid three. Hasn't done anything too bad, but hasn't done anything too great either. I think she just needs more chances. So, yeah, three. Uh, coming right back to you with, with Melly. Uh, how do you feel about our number eight? Uh I like her. I think I think a th- I'll give her a three and a half because she's had her a couple of off moments, but at the same time, I think she just brings that balance to the side. So I give three and a half. Jesse Bethany England. Oh, I'm gonna give her a two. I I really love her, but I don't think she's made the most of the you know opportunities she's had in front of her. That penalty miss against um, Birmingham in the FA Cup was was a big one, and you know I thought she looked decent against Wolfsburg when she played without having a huge impact. Okay. Uh, coming right back to you with Jisoo Yun, everyone's favorite uh, South Korean player. I'm going to give G a four, even maybe a four and a half. I think 
I write her off every season and I think she's been amazing. Uh, aside from Panila, I think easily the most creative player in this team. She just sees things that other players don't see. All right, coming back to you, Abdullah, for Grow Wrighton. I think four and a half. I think the way she's taken to this to the taken to this role of left wing back for me has been has been great. She's just growing in strength and strength. Not her natural position, but the form that she shows has been incredible. I think one of top three uh, Chelsea's best players so far. All right, coming right back to you for Frank Kirby. It's a weird one because I think Fran's been she's been good. And, and and there are times she's shown amazing glimpses, but she hasn't been at her absolute best. So I would actually have to give it almost like a 3.75. I know I'm going really minute detail okay, on this. Come on. Okay. <laughs> Let's whole number it. Let's whole number it. All right, fine. All right. I'll go. F- I'll go three because I know she. Can, I I know there's more to come from from friend Kirby. It's interesting though because you're holding her to her own best standard, I, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. Is, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you expect it's her to be a five, right? You expect it to be that Panela Hada level of five, but you know. <laughs> All right, Jesse. I'm coming back to you for for Magda Erickson since you uh, were effusive in your praise for Millie Bright. I'll give Magda a three. I don't think she's had the best start to the season. I thought she looked really tired in that Arsenal game at the beginning of the season, and I'm not sure she's marshaled the defense so well. Okay. Uh, Now coming back to you for Jesse Fleming, uh, everyone's favorite Canadian uh, Olympic hero. Uh, Starting to see more minutes finally, but, you know, maybe hasn't played the most yet. Yeah, I'll go with a four for Jesse. I think this is probably a little bit because she hasn't played so much um, that it makes you look at her with hot eyes. But she has been really good every time she's, you know, come on. And I've I've got no problems with, with the minutes she has played, put it that way. See, see now. So we're giving Fran a three and we're giving Jesse a four. I see some inconsistencies here, folks. Some inconsistencies. <laughs> Me and Abdullah aren't at one brain, though. So Yeah. <laughs> Your mega mind. That's what I mean. I, I mean, together. We... <laughs> I don't right. know. So Marin hasn't played, so we're going to give her. So Marin and Lauren both haven't played, so we're going to give them passes out of the player grades, obviously. Uh, hope that they are both back very soon, though, uh, obviously. So well wishes to both. Sam Kerr, Abdullah. Sam Kerr. Oh, another one. It's the same issue as Fran, right? A really, really good. I, I think I'll give I'll give Sam I think I'll give Sam a four because she's still scoring goals. She's still getting to the right places. Maybe not as per, I'd say not as prolific. She's still scoring a ton of goals. It's just I feel like there's another gear she can run into. But I'll give her a four based on the amount of goals that she scored in her overall just kind of general play. Man, I so I flip your your Fran and Sam. I think I really? go four for Fran and three for for Sam. Yeah, because she's missed some really easy ones. Yeah, but that Wolfsburg I know. goal. Surely that gives her an extra point just for the Wolfsburg goal. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, I, I I forgot about the difficulty of goal uh, matrix that we're adding into our calculus here. That's you know what? That's my fault. To uh, be fair, on. Nick. To be fair, like. Sam Kerr's always been that kind of player that will get about 50 chances and she will like miss 20 easy ones, but then she'll score you 30. You know, I mean, that's kind of how she's always been. So that's the reason why I just give her a four. I have I have PTSD about this from other players that I've watched in my, in my life. So uh, I'm coming back to you for Neem Charles, who has had kind of an interesting stop start. Uh, to yeah, I think I'll, I'll give her a... I'll give her a... I'll give her a three just because, I mean, she's had some minutes, but not enough minutes to really show what she's been able to do and kind of carry on from last season. I mean, she's been okay when she's come on, um, but I think it's just down to the minutes. I don't think it's been a great, great start for her necessarily. 
Uh, Jesse, Aaron Cuthbert on the other side. Yeah, I'll give Aaron a three. I think she's um, getting more used to that right wing back role, and I think she's looked better in it. I'm still not sure about her defensively, what that looks like. So I'll, I'm going to go in the middle a of the park. Three. You've got recency bias going on there, Nick. I I just have a lot of a lot of time for Aaron Cuthbert personally. So um, all right, we're coming back to to Abdullah here for Pranilla Harder, a a bona fide a5 right <laughs> i mean i think i speak for all three of us when i say she's a five i mean there's chelsea's best player of the season so far probably like like jesse tweeted out has probably sewn up the player of the year within the first month and a half of the season already going through so yeah no 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 amounts of words can can just kind of describe how she's been and i think we've waxed lyrical over the last like you know five six episodes the real question I have for you, Abdul, is you changed the player on the back of the shirt that you got about 15 I know, times. Do you, re- I know. do you regret the decision that you've made? See, not necessarily just because I, Guru has done equally as well and she's also Scandinavian. So I'm doing Scandinavian reps. It's like I went from like, I went from Panilla to Guru, so it's fine. But I will say this, probably a Panilla, a Panilla 23 is on the cards for the season. I probably have to get that at the, you know, right. before the end of the season. Yeah, there are other shirts that you can get. So, so we're not limited here. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> look, Jesse, Drew Spence, obviously more, more of a super sub these days than anything um, grade based on those minutes. Yeah, I'll give her a three. I think she's been really solid when she's come in. Um, I feel like actually, in some ways, Emma Hayes has started to rely on her more. Like her, her time's like kind of started going back up. And yeah, I, I think she's a really reliable player to have come off your bench. Back to you for, for John Anderson. I mean, she has hardly played. I'll give her a two. She hasn't really done anything wrong when she has played, so it's kind of hard to judge. But I mean, it's just like, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> don't know what's going on there is is not a, a number grade, um, but we'll we'll stick with the two. Uh, Telford obviously is, is more of in the coaching third choice goalkeeper role, so we haven't, haven't seen her yet. Georgia Fox, limited minutes. Jesse, um, maybe another tough one to grade here. Yeah, I'll give her a three because she's young and I think she's looked good whenever she has played. And her assist for that goal, that opening goal against Birmingham in the FA Cup was really, really good. So, All right. Last one, uh, Abdullah, the notorious AKB, uh, our, our beloved goalkeeper. Thoughts and feelings uh, on her? I, you know, that game against Wolfsburg was just like, this is miscommunication personified, you know, for a couple of those goals. Yes, I know there were individual errors, but I haven't seen mistakes like that. I think, I think she's been good. I think that game aside, she's been good. So I'll give, I'll give her a solid, I'll give her a three. I think I'll give her a solid three. I think again, can be better has had a couple of mistakes more than she usually would do. And again, holding her to high standards that she normally has. So yeah, a solid three. Okay. Some harsh grading in here. Some really harsh grading. I like it. That means we have a lot of room to grow uh, throughout, the, throughout the season. We know that the players are listening to these these grades. Absolutely. So you know, Of course. Step, yeah. Step it up. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. Um, we can, look, we can I, give you Nick's address. It's okay. If you need something, just go to, go to Nick's house. <laughs> At Nick Verlaney, uh, tweet at me, please. Um, look, uh, again, we're heading into an international break. We're taking the uh, next week off, so you won't hear from us 
uh, the week of the of the 24th. However, we will be back for for Chelsea and Manchester City in the FA Cup semifinal. Of course, we'd play them in a semifinal. Um, and so hopefully Chelsea come away heading to another FA Cup final, uh, you know, obviously beating a kind of down Manchester City. So that is what's uh, coming up for this show. Thank you all for listening. Uh, and until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue black line high. Thank you.